Welcome to the Pep Talks podcast. I'm Junior Johnson. And I'm Erin Williams. So I am so a little full from Thanksgiving. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I know it, it was like four or five days ago, but this stuff stays in your body. I'm telling you, I'm I'm still tight, like full of the tick, <laughs> literally. You got to do some like intermittent fasting or something. I definitely need to. What do you have? Oh, everything. Well, you know, you don't just have Thanksgiving one time. You got to go with your side of the family and then your in-laws. Yeah. And... What was your favorite dish? Oh, I always like the sweet potato casserole. Mm. So, and I, well, I like it with marshmallows, but my dad makes it with like the pecans or mm-hmm. all the like brown sugar and oh, cinnamon yeah. on top. And I really love that because I grew up with that. Ooh-wee. What Ooh-wee. about you? I like everything. <laughs> That's part of my problems, but I'm still full. Um, but I would have to say I'm a dressing girl. Really? I'm a dress. Yeah, I'll I'll eat that all day every day. And mac and cheese, homemade mac and cheese. Yeah, for that all day. So we do know something already about you. With you call it dressing and not stuffing. I do. Okay. <laughs> I think it's a cultural thing, but yes, yes, we do cornbread dressing. Um, so yeah, it's a little different than stuffing. <laughs> mm. Well, welcome back, everybody. Yes, yes. We're here today. It's just Aaron and I today. No guests. No special guests. Um, and we're starting a new series, so it won't be every week, but it's going to be pretty consistent. And we're calling it Go First. What we decided with the Go First series is we want to have guests um, within our district, within our communities that come in and tell you all about a mental health issue or an adversity that they've had in their life, kind of what they've gone through and then Tell us about their journey, what worked for them, what was helpful, and them on the other side and what that looked like, and maybe some helpful tips for parents along the way. Mm-hmm. Nice. We can't do a go first series without someone going first. So who's going first? All right, let's let's um, rock paper rock, scissors. Yes, okay, <laughs> ready? All right, rock paper, <laughs> paper scissors, scissors shoot up. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> okay, do it uh, again. Rock, rock paper, paper scissors, scissors shoot. shoot. You got to go. Okay. (laughs) I lost two times in a row, but... Well, mine's about anxiety. I'm feeling a little anxious about this. Wait a minute. So, people listening, you couldn't see what actually just went down. Erin, and this was planned out before the podcast, Erin is going to go first. She is our first in the Go First series. So, this whole rock, paper, scissors shenanigans that just went on... Was all fake, but also Aaron won both times. <laughs> you did really good at Jun- rock paper scissors. You won though. Oh you were gosh. the rock, yes, and you were the scissors. So technically, Janir, you lost. Yep. So yep. who's going first? I'm gonna take this one for Janir. <laughs> you're gonna take. You're gonna do it. Yep. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. <laughs> and back to it. All right. So um, the go first series. I have anxiety, so I'd like to go first. Okay. To talk about my anxiety. Okay. Um. Many of us have anxiety. They say depression is the cold of mental health. I would challenge that and say anxiety is the sniffles and colds as well, Um, because so many people have anxiety throughout their lives. I like to tell people I have high-functioning anxiety. Now, what does that mean? Some people don't know what that (laughs) means. They're like, what are you talking about? Uh I live with anxiety my whole life. Sometimes it's a little more present than other times, Mm -hmm. but I manage it. I have coping skills that I use, and I manage it, and I live my day-to-day with anxiety. 
Um, so that's what I mean by high functioning anxiety. I am able to cope. For me, my anxiety is not perfection focused. So a lot of people have anxiety and they do well. They make straight A's. They succeed in their professional life. For me, it's avoided based anxiety. So mm -hmm. when I have a challenge, a lot of times I will go hide or avoid or procrastinate. So that's kind of how my anxiety um, comes out. How it presents itself. Yes. A lot of my anxiety um, that I have stems from getting in trouble or when someone is unhappy with me. I think that comes from an um, unsupportive supervisors in my early professional years mixed in with some secondary trauma. So in my early professional years, I had some jobs that all day, every day, I just listened to children tell their trauma stories. And I just don't think I had the supervisors that were supportive to me. And it was a perfect storm. Mm -hmm. And it made me anxious. And I will tell you, I had to leave my job because I started having some severe anxiety symptoms. Mm. Um, I started having nightmares. I wasn't able to focus. I was nitpicking things, which in that profession... In those professions, that was a good thing because you have to be clean and concise with your work. Um, so I was being praised for that. Mm. I will also say my anxiety for for everybody, 2020 was a big year for me. My husband was gone with military basically the whole time. So it was me and my dog. I was very anxious in that time. And then as well as postpartum, my baby is now a tot. But that was a rough season for me. Um, with postpartum anxiety, it looks a little different when um, you are in that postpartum season. For me, I was worried about all the things that could happen um, to my child. So it kind of translated um, to the child, and that's where the focus was. Mm -hmm. Growing up, when we're thinking about childhood, a lot of times that's where a lot of the issues begin. And there's, you know, there's some debate on whether that's nurture versus nature. Did we get this through genetics or through how um, we grew up? I was one of eight, and you had a big family. Yes, big family. I'm the second oldest, um, raising the younger children. I grew up in a, a Christian home, mm -hmm. so my dad is a pastor, mom is a nurse, and I would say throughout that, I've always kind of wanted that adult attention and approval. And my my parents are kind and generous. And growing up, yes, they were strict. They were tough. I was not allowed to um, watch Harry Potter. <laughs> I just want to say, like, I love my parents, and I think that they, um, they've they always been supportive of me. Growing up, there were some challenges, and everybody knows this who is a pastor's kid or who has grown up in a spiritual in environment. Mm -hmm. Or a politician's kid. Politician's kids. Yeah. Um, anybody that a has— A principal's kid. <laughs> anybody that has all eyes on them. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure. And I'm not saying that's necessarily from our parents, but for me, pressure in the church um, from other adults expecting you to know the answer to the question, expecting you to behave the best mm -hmm. um, and to be the best. And sometimes we were teaching, teaching the class <laughs> and we were the example. And there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of anxiety that comes with that. Um, it's a lot to wear as a child. It's another additional non-paid responsibility mm -hmm. that you have. And that's something um, that's something that unintentionally parents put on their children um, when they do have these um, important 
roles. Roles. Mm-hmm. People put you on this this imaginary pedestal up here, and then mm-hmm. if you don't quote unquote meet these high expectations with this pedestal that they've put you on, you know, this imaginary pedestal and you fall quote unquote from that, then you look down upon. And so you have anxiety that builds from that too, because you don't want to fall off this pedestal that people have put you on Mm -hmm. again, whether that's your preacher's kid, a principal's kid, a politician's kid, whatever you got eyes on you, public eyes on you. You are up there on this imaginary pedestal that you cannot fall from because then it's like, Oh, what are they doing? Right. You know? So I think that, will add definitely a, a huge layer of anxiety to anybody. Yes, so. absolutely. And mm-hmm. that's been my experience growing up. And I personally, as an adult, find connection in my church community. You may not. And that's okay. But you need to be connected. You need to be connected in others. And you need to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Okay? Um, taking the focus off yourself, being connected with others is important. That's part of this holistic journey in healing, in doing the work with anxiety. And some of those groups could be, you know, whether, um, like for me, I'm connected with my sorority. And so I've have got, I've got that group. Um, I too am connected with my church, but that's my choice. Um, but your sorority, fraternity, um, if there's a crochet group, I mean, just anything, find your people, find your tribe um, and make those, those social connections because that is super important for your mental health and it will help your anxiety. Again, just something that is bigger than yourself that you're a part of. So, Erin, when did you first notice or recognize that you indeed had anxiety? I know for sure I knew I had anxiety in high school. Mm -hmm. But when I was in middle school, sixth grade, first year of middle school for me, um, I had a little friend, best, best friend that went homeschooled. And I stayed in the public school. And I remember I didn't I couldn't talk to people. I struggled to make eye contact. Mm. And for me, the kind of person that I am and even was then, I made a list of people I wanted to talk to. And I would practice and make my list of people I wanted to talk to. And I'd say hi. And then I'd check it off my list and get a little <laughs> dopamine rush from that. Okay. The next day, I would say hi and then ask them a question. And like, I'd, how are you? Or, yes, okay. like, how are you? Or I would compliment them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that then, that it was really stemming from this anxiety-based, I guess, motivator, is I was anxious and I didn't want to be anxious. I felt disconnected. As I got to high school, I knew for sure. Um, So what did it look like in high school for you? I think it looked like excessive worry Mm. um, over things I couldn't control and sometimes things I could control. It looked like putting all things to the last minute. It looks like, like knowing what the issue is and knowing how to resolve the, the problem. And even after I resolved the problem and did it the right way, I still felt the anxiety and the worry. Mm-hmm. That was really tough. And in high school, like what I was talking about with all the things, you're balancing a lot of things. I think that's when the anxiety kind of got a little bit more out of control. And I, I noticed the fearfulness and the tears and just felt a little different Mm -hmm. than other people. I didn't feel like other people were really struggling with that like I was, Mm -hmm. which is not true. Not at all, Um, because I definitely see that on the high school level. I had a student actually yesterday, um, high anxiety, and she procrastinates, Mm -hmm. um, tries to avoid things, which makes it worse. Um, because now you've got this pile up of things now instead of, you know, kind of tackling it head on. So when I meet with her next time, I'm going to make sure that we get a plan in place um, so that we can plan out her day so that she's not procrastinating. We can 
chunk things out yes. and do little by little. Did you find that helpful? Did you do that in your high school years? Or? I didn't. I actually, I'm not going to call you out, the counselor, because I don't know your name, by the <laughs> way. But my high school counselor, I did come to him and I was like, I need to talk to you. And he was like, Aaron, I am an academic counselor. Aww. He's like, this is not therapy. And so I was like, okay, but like, can I talk to you about this? And he was like, sit down. And I was able to talk to him, but he did like remind me, you know, if you really want to talk to someone, you probably need to talk to a therapist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, did he have any tips for you at all? Or? No, he just listened. Okay. He just okay. listened. Um, I was kind of that, always that person. I, I'm going to go look for the resource to help. That's good. Um, but I do remember there was that separation. And I think things have changed since it wasn't that long ago. I was in high school. I want to. Remind everyone, 2011 was only a few years ago. Yesterday, yeah. So, (laughs) but I think things have changed since then. Um, So academic counselors, I think, you know, there is more uh, emotional support. Mm -hmm. Now that we are, we're all grown now, Erin. So how do you manage now in adulthood um, and family and and baby boy and and work and our, our job can be stressful at times. So how do you manage your anxiety now? I want to talk about maybe some of the things that I've done. Mm -hmm. I've talked about it. I've talked about the hard things and I make myself say people aware um, when I'm having a hard time. And I regularly talk with my husband and he, he uses the strategy. He doesn't love it, but he (laughs) uses the strategy. Do you want advice or do you want me to listen? Mm -hmm. And most of the time I want him to listen when I'm in the moment and I'm actively anxious. I write it out. I might write it out real quick, just scribble something down about what I'm feeling, and then I might tear it up. <laughs> we talked about this several times. Deep breathing actually is really helpful for me when, because I, I have a lot of anxiety symptoms. Mm-hmm. The heart heart rate goes really high. I start to do the fast breathing where I'm not getting enough oxygen. So uh-huh. I do slow deep breathing, and that really actually helps. Yes. I know a lot of people don't love breathing but i think it's healing I, mm-hmm. I think it really helps me to regulate and get through those moments you have to do what works for you you know when i am actively and i this is a strong word but when i'm actively suffering with anxiety i will call someone and talk through it so recently i had a um a co-worker that was frustrated with a decision that i made mm-hmm. and i just started feeling really anxious and i knew the decision i made was a good decision Um, But I called my supervisor and I was like, hey, I need to talk to you about what I did and why I did it. And, you know, if it comes back on me, I'm ready to accept responsibility. I just need to talk to you. Mm -hmm. And like I was anxious about it. And I have a wonderful supervisor and she just just listened to me. And she was like, you are okay. Mm -hmm. You did nothing wrong. You are safe. And like that just hearing those words immediately i felt so calm Mm -hmm. because i I felt like i had somebody that supported me and she knows she knows it helps it helps when you have a safe supervisor and they know you're anxious and they can kind of if if i had made a decision that was poor she would also support me and she let me know Mm -hmm. you can't do that Mm -hmm. or here's what we need to do about this and she'd help me solve the problem but she's so supportive and i think Having that is really helpful in the moment. Absolutely. Um, And also, just overall, when we're talking about any type of mental health, staying regulated. So, and I don't mean smaller things. I mean, big picture, exercise, sleeping, eating healthy, those routine things Mm -hmm. to kind of help you stay regulated. I do those 
um, with big picture things just to manage anxiety overall, not necessarily in the moment. Like when you're anxious and you go and exercise, that could actually be a little more stressful if you do something high intensity. Mm -hmm. So another thing that I've done Mm -hmm. is I read a lot. Um, So most recently, I've read a book by John Deloney. He's number two in mental health podcast. Um, He wrote um, Building a Non-Anxious Life. And I thought that was really helpful. I am about self-help and not staying where you are and not being complacent. And I used a lot of the strategies that he listed. So that was a really great book for me. When we think about anxiety, I think we don't need to stay so self-focused. Self-help is great, but we need to be connected with others. So it's a balance. It is managing um, anxiety for me and in the moment, like mm-hmm. using those strategies that I know, writing things out, deep breathing, those kind of things, but also it's staying connected. And that's something that throughout my life has been really helpful. I'm highly, highly introverted. I prefer to have a Saturday night by myself yeah. <laughs> and just watch a show or just kind of do my own thing. I'll take, I'll take a walk. I'm fine sitting in silence. I'm great with that, but I have to be connected with others. And that's something me and my husband's tried to navigate because he's extroverted. Um, so I need I need connection with others. So balancing that is really important. We don't get too isolated because that does exasperate, mm-hmm. at least for me, that exasperates my anxiety. So so Aaron, um, listening to you speak, just want to ask you what advice uh, would you give our parents listening on like what symptoms or behaviors would they be noticing in their child if they are struggling with anxiety? I think anxiety looks several different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked earlier about there's perfection-based, the children that do well, and those are your children that fly under the radar. And then you also, many parents see, especially when they have more than one, they have that little black sheep in the family that always doesn't follow the rules <laughs> or maybe they're always getting in trouble. And I'll tell you, anxiety manifests in both ways. It does. Um, there's avoidance children. There's children that um, they're really just looking for attention. And it's knowing your child, I think, is an important thing. So many, um, we talked about connectedness. Um, when you're connected to your child, you'll know what that looks like for your child. And sometimes it's having a conversation with your child and hearing them mm-hmm. and hearing what they're saying. I would also just say, like, observing your child in play. And how they interact with others could be a helpful strategy for just identifying anxious children. Mm-hmm. When it comes to supporting children, I would say the biggest thing is reassuring them and validating them. And don't fix the problem because the problem is not the problem. Right. Anxiety is the problem. Right. We want children that are resilient. It's okay to have anxiety, but we can't solve the problems for them. We have to help them solve the problem, give them the tools. Mm-hmm. And I would say a big part for me growing up, like the reassurance, the the validation, especially when you have multiple children, taking time for one child and just giving them that undivided attention, I think is really helpful. Mm-hmm. And I've had to come up on the back end and get that from my parents and kind of demand, no, <laughs> I need to talk to you. Yeah. And they are so they are so good about just being able to listen to me, but I've had to make that request. Children don't always do that. They don't always know that they need that, Um, and they may come to you and they want attention, and that attention looks different. Mm -hmm. But I would say that reassurance, that validation, and just making them feel seen and known and loved is is so important. That's true. I know with my own two girls, I'm starting to notice with my youngest one, some anxiety. Go figure. 
Um, I do have some myself. I'm not sure if you know that or not, but um, it's really starting to manifest in my youngest baby. Um, and so I've noticed that her little light um, is not shining as bright um, as what it used to. So I've been trying to have more just she and I time um, so we can have those conversations. So I can kind of figure out what is it? What's different? Um, I know that big sister is at middle school now, so I know she doesn't have that person, her person at school. So I don't know if it's just, you know, establishing some different friendships or I don't know what it is, but I'm going to speak with her and let her know that I see you and I've noticed these changes and let's yeah. let's talk about it. And I think that's important for parents that are listening. Make sure that you notice and are in tune with your child you know, so that when these things happen, you can pick up on it early and not let it continue to kind of manifest and spiral without attention because that will lead to something else. So I think the earlier you notice and and start to have those conversations and intervene, the better. And speaking with my little one, can you give me some advice on what questions I should be asking her? Oh, (laughs) that's a tough one. I would say um, checking in, Mm -hmm. doing lots of check-ins. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? Trying to get more information than just how was school and they say fine. Right. We talked about that. We talked about some strategies with different things we can use, yeah. different things we can say to connect with their child like you're safe. Right. I would say those check-ins are really a good baseline and kind of will cover a lot um, with an anxious child. I think about like when we when we see kids and we're checking in, we can kind of get a good overview, but sometimes we have to ask a little more prying questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely ask questions about their, like, do you know you can talk to me when you're feeling stressed or when there's a problem? And then, you know, if they're not sharing with you any struggles or problems, maybe asking, like, is there something um, that you are struggling with or something you're having a hard time with and just letting them open up. While I do think it's important to reassure children, I want children to be able to talk to their parents. Sometimes that takes a little extra support, but I wouldn't push too much, mm-hmm. but I would definitely try and give them those opportunities to check in with you. Okay. What else would you say? You're the, you've got the two kiddos that are a little older. Yeah, um, so I agree. Um, with what you're saying. And I don't know. I feel like it's different when you're therapist and mom because I, I mm-hmm. do want to push because that's the mom side. I want to push. You tell me right now <laughs> what's bothering you so I can fix it. <laughs> um, but I have to make sure that I'm I'm also giving her the opportunity. If she doesn't feel like sharing, then that's okay as, as well. But I'm also letting her know too, like you've got counselors at your school. So if you don't want to talk to mommy, even though this is my wheelhouse, little little girl, you can talk to your your counselor at school, and I get it um, because that's what happens at the high school. The students will come talk to me before they talk to their parents. So because it's a different a different voice, a different it's not mom, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so I encourage her to talk to her counselors at her at her elementary school, and I think she has. Um, and so I know that that's you know an intervention that's been working. So we're we're good to the bottom of it. Yes, mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen that video where it's like parent you're having a meltdown, but you're a parent, and it's just like parent laying down on the floor and they're crying and this kid walks up to them with like a fruit snack and they open it they stop crying the parent opens it is stop crying hands it back to the kid uh-huh. and child walks away and the parent just continues crying it's really funny you guys you gotta look at it oh, but the point of that for me bringing that up is it's okay to be anxious in front of your child too mm-hmm. um we always emphasize modeling but it's okay to tell your child i'm anxious so i'm gonna i'm gonna take 
a break. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do some deep breathing. Will you come do some deep breathing with me? Sh- go ahead. Mm-hmm. Show them show them deep breathing. And that, that's a part of connection. That's a part of regulation. That's modeling. I think all of those things are okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay for your babies to see a little bit of worry and anxiousness. Right, because that's life. So. It is life. Mm-hmm. So, Erin, why is this Go First series so important? And why you chose to go first today? So the Go First series is so important because we all have struggles in our lives. And so many people, we don't know what other people are going through. And we're using this Go First series so that people can see, parents can see, students can see, you are not alone. And you're not the only person going through something. And I don't say that to minimize. I say that to um remind us all to have compassion and empathy for one another and then also so that we feel connected to each other i went first today because it's called go first (laughs) 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 and somebody gotta go first (laughs) but also just anxiety is um just one of those like i said it's it's very common and i wouldn't be surprised if people are like we knew you had anxiety (laughs) But also, do you know the full picture of me? And if I'm going to expect people to get up here on this platform and talk about some struggles that they've gone through, I'm going to be honest and real, too, about my own struggles. So I went first. Well, we appreciate you going first. Thank you so much. I feel good. (laughs) I feel not too anxious at the moment. (laughs) Well, good. Thank you so much. Is that all we have for today? That's all we have for today. All right. Till next time. The Pep Talks podcast is brought to you by Arlington Community Schools in Arlington, Tennessee.